Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away three months ago. Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will be then taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul at 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul, New York State. 518-474-8390. Hashtag keep Bradley safe here in these United States. I have a brand new guest on. I have Catherine Thomas on. Now, she is a grandmom, and she had been fighting to save her grandson while he was still in the womb with no help from CPS or legislators. And this shows her journey to then brings us to her grandson, Angel being born highly addicted, the parents surrendered him to her care and custody. However, CPS still intervened when they didn't need to, and he was not in imminent danger, and they already planned on having grandmother take legal guardianship to raise and protect him. When CPS came in, they basically committed perjury, as always, to the court to see a denial letter, so they diagnosed her from a TDM team decision-making meeting, they were told that they were not in need of their intervention as he was going to be raised by the grandmother again and was in no danger in the NIC unit with an ankle monitor 24-7. And she had full access to his care as she was the one in charge caring for him while in the hospital and then things started to fall apart. And I welcome you, Catherine, to the podcast because sometimes, whether we like it or not, advocacy chooses us. And now you're an advocate. And, you know, what brought you to that day when you became an advocate? Well, it goes back, like you said, many ad- advocates or activists. I, I call myself an activist. Advocate, activist, I because I do both. I help families, um, you know, try to weed through this uh, very, very corrupt agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that is how I accidentally stumbled upon this nightmare of an agency that's called Child Protective Services. Um, we know through uh, in depth analysts and research that 90% of children that are in the foster care system should have never been placed there in the first place. We're also finding out that many more children are abused and neglected in the foster care system, Uh, child molestation, um, beating. um, I mean, the list goes on. So, you know, we've proven beyond a doubt that 90% of the children in the foster care system should have never, ever been there. And what we're finding is that this agency has no oversight. I mean, there's OMSBUD, there's your local board of supervisors, there's your local assembly. I went to all of them 
before Angel was born. Mm -hmm. And the reason I had to, to go to that depth is this was before I knew uh, about the corruption within CPS. Mm -hmm. So before my grandson was even born, my then 23-year-old daughter was severely addicted to heroin. And I had went through Al-Anon, uh, learning ways to cope. My She's my only child. Mm. And eventually I, I had to tough love and mm. tell her to leave our house because she was stealing mm. um, to support her drug habit. So fast forward to, you know, on or about uh, 2011, towards mm. the end of the year, I worked for Social Security for 12 years. I was also a registered process server for eight years, which means both my hands are registered with the FBI. I, ha I had to have clearance to even work for those two entities. Um, so anyways, um, you know, I get the phone call when I'm at work from my daughter, mom, I'm pregnant mm -hmm. and my heart sunk because I knew her addiction. And um, I said, well, what are you going to do? And she said, well, mom, I'm going to have it. And I said, but you have a heroin problem. Well, mother, I'm going to get into an inpatient rehab. I said, okay. I said, because that, that little child needs you to be well. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, because mom is still a federal employee, you are still insured under my insurance, mm -hmm. which will cover your prenatal and it will cover up to the birth of the child. Mm -hmm. Come get the insurance card. She did. She started going to an OBGYN. Three weeks had gone by and she was not in an inpatient facility. Mm. So again, this is before I knew how bad CPS was. So my first thing was, what do I do? Call CPS hotline. Mm. I call CPS hotline. I get a, a representative answers and she says, how may I help you, ma'am? And I said, I, I need an emergency intervention. I said, I have a 23-year-old daughter who's severely addicted to heroin. She's living in Chinatown, which is the, the name of the uh, homeless community here in Monterey County, Salinas, California, where we reside. I've lived here my entire life, 59 years. So I called the hotline and I said, you know, I just told them what I just mentioned. And I was told, I'm sorry, ma'am, there's nothing we could do to help you. I said, this is, this is child endangerment. What do you mean there's nothing you can do? Well, ma'am, the child's not born. Mm. And I shook my head. Again, you know, I, I'm a paralegal by trade. I got a college degree in paralegal and worked for attorneys in civil litigation for about five years. And then I... I found that I could not really advance my career in a small firm and there was an opening for the social security. And I went for that because I knew I had a, a better chance of getting promotions and, you know, climbing that ladder. Um, but, but my, 
my my degree was in paralegal uh, secretarial science and legal terminology. And so anyways, I, I said, uh, but if a woman is driving in a car and she's pregnant and she's hit by a drunk driver and her and that unborn fetus die, there's two counts of manslaughter on the person that killed them. Mm-hmm. And you mean to tell me there's nothing you could do? There's nothing we can do, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I hung up in disappointment and anger. And that's where, like, the lights started coming on. Mm-hmm. So then I went to my local chief of police. I sat with him an hour. He cried with me. He knew who she was because mm-hmm. she's on probation. He had her mug shots. He, he promised me that if he was out on the beat or his officers were out on the beat and they seen her under the influence, they would take her in. In other words, that he was reassuring me, if there's anything I can do by at least sitting her in a jail cell, we'll do it. That never happened either. Mm-hmm. So the minute that my daughter got aware of me um, trying to take conservatorship of her, she started hiding more. And fortunately, I was able to get an investigative journalist, Brooke Holmquist, from my local news station to take on the story. And we thought it would garner local media attention, local uh, community outcry um, from our board of supervisors, from our local assembly members, because it, it aired here in our local area. Not one person reached out to me. This woman was so great. She took me all the way up to the uh, state capital of California, which is in Sacramento, wherein uh, the goal was to meet with Assemblyman Monty. We drove all the way up there only to find out he was too busy. And so we met with his legislative director. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll see there's a video I shared with uh, Miss Petrie of um, the YouTube channel. uh, investigation that Brookquist did, and uh, you know pictures of us at the uh, assemblyman's office. Um, that meeting was another slam closed door. As I was told, it would take at least three years to do any legislating to change a bill, write a bill, Angel's Law, anything, because in California there was already a law called Laura's Law. But that law gave me no ability to take conservatorship over my daughter. Um, you know, there's just so many crazy things because we all know now of the Britney Spears case. Mm-hmm. Her father took conservatorship over her. Well, how come they couldn't help me take conservatorship over my daughter to protect the unborn grandchild? Mm-hmm. There's just so many. I, I, there's just so many things that aren't working right in the mm-hmm. system. So, you know, we go to the, that, the meeting with the assemblyman, we're shot down, we come back and, and uh, it was just another avenue that I chose to go on and mm-hmm. uh, it didn't gain any um, change uh, that I needed at that time. So fast forward to, January 3rd, 2012, Angel is born and he's born highly addicted to heroin, methamphetamine, marijuana, um, pretty much almost any illegal substance. Mm. 
out there. Mm. And my daughter wasn't living with me at the time because I had to do the tough love um, because, you know, she was stealing things from our home. Mm. And so then um, I go to the hospital the morning he's born. Uh, my daughter's there. The father's there. And then the hospital social worker is there because obviously he was born severely addicted. Now, this hospital social worker was not a CPS social worker. She was a hospital social worker. At that very moment, we had a meeting with her. Wasn't recorded, wasn't taped. It was just a meeting, verbal. And, you know, she discussed her concerns and we acknowledged her concerns and we explained to her that um, we had decided amongst ourselves, me, the maternal grandmother, the father of Angel, and the mother of Angel, my daughter, that they would surrender him to my care and custody if they were not able to get themselves in recovery and stay in recovery to mm -hmm. offer him a good life with his biological parents. Mm -hmm. They didn't feel they were going to be able to do it. So that very day, January 3rd, 2012, Rosa Mendoza, hospital social worker, was told, we are surrendering him to my mother. She has our permission to talk to the doctors, go in and see him at any given time, be by his side and care for him and, you know, get questions answered from the doctors, the specialists, anyone that was treating our son. So it went on um, at least a month and I was with him every day, every waking hour that I was free of work. I was still working full-time for social security. Mm -hmm. I worked and lived only five minutes away from this state hospital known as Natividad Medical Center. Mm -hmm. So I could go on my break. I was a seasoned employee. I could go before work, which, you know, 6.30, 7.30 in the morning because I could flex shift, mm -hmm. which means I go in earlier. I could take an hour, two hour lunch mm -hmm. and just work later in the night. In other words, I was trying to get as much time to spend with my grandson as humanly possible um, because I loved him mm -hmm. and I was prepared to raise him. I had prepared a beautiful nursery in my home for him. Mm -hmm. um, 101 Dalmatians. Mm -hmm. um, everything was prepared. It was just about when he was going to be released. And they couldn't tell me a given time because it was, you know, a daily thing. They had to give him a little morphine and then, you know, eventually wing him off um, based on his response to the medication. Mm -hmm. And so I was able, because I was with him every day and I could talk to the doctors and nurses, I could see when the administration of the morphine was going lower and lower and lower which meant he was getting better and better, praise God. Mm -hmm. And then I started working with his physical therapist because he would have tremors. Mm -hmm. In other words, just like a heroin addict that, that that's an addict. I mean, he didn't choose to be an addict, but he had withdrawals. And so he would, you know, 
his little feet would go like this, mm-hmm. his stomach would cramp and it would get hard. Mm-hmm. So they brought in a physical therapist and I worked with her and she would show me, you know, you could rub his, rub his feet and, you know, stretch his arms. And I did all that. And I had this beautiful rapport with her. I had this beautiful rapport with probably 10 other doctors because it's a 24 hour hospital and he needed 24 hour care. Mm -hmm. So there was not just one doctor and one nurse working with him. There were numerous. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to about two weeks before he's going to be released. This is when the real nightmare began. All of a sudden, and my daughter by this time was in an inpatient rehab. Um, I'm at the hospital doing my normal visit with my grandson. Mm -hmm. And the nurses alert me. Uh, Catherine, uh, we need you to uh, uh, be prepared to go into a meeting. Uh, And I said, a meeting with who? And they said, well, the... CPS agency is coming um, into the hospital in the conference room um, to do what's called a team decision-making meeting. And I said, what is that? I I didn't know anything. I didn't even know at this point that they were involved in the background. I I didn't know. And um, other than, you know, what they were doing with my daughter, because my Mm -hmm. daughter was in an inpatient and she had somehow got involved in the case plan. I was not, I didn't know that much about it because I was not involved with my daughter. My, my main concern was my grandson. So I'm, I'm told, you know, I have to, to go into this meeting. And I, I asked, I said, is is my daughter, the mother going to be there? And they said, yes, they're bringing her from uh, the inpatient center. The, the eight, the rehab is bringing her, two and I said okay and uh so then this meeting is held and um I I go into this meeting and it's in the conference room right outside the NIC unit now granted my my grandson is wearing an ankle monitor this hospital has 24 7 hospital security Mm. whereas if he was ever uh attempted to be removed or taken out I mean it would have never happened because he was that secure mm-hmm. and I knew he was safe because mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to make sure the parents didn't try to remove him too, because of their condition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I go into this meeting and I'm, I'm really dumbfounded and I, I walk in and there's like 12 people in there and uh, they go to introduce themselves. It's a, a, a Pat Patricia Mannion, who was the, uh, supervising social worker for Monterey County Department and Children and Family Services. And then there was another social worker that apparently was working directly with my daughter, Linda Castillo. Um, she was in there. And then they had this team of people that apparently they're what are called the contractors. In other words, um, they give the parent the services that they have to comply with. So these were other service providers 
that were in the, the meeting to make recommendations, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I said, because I was a paralegal and my father is a veteran, I'm very aware of the constitution. Um, I'm, you know, constitutional rights. I've mm-hmm. always been a patriot in that regard. Um, and, and, and because I was a paralegal, the first thing I said is where are the attorneys mm-hmm. where, you know, where's my daughter's attorney, where's my grandson's attorney, where's the father's attorney? We're not at that point now. And this is the Pat Mannion. We're not at that point now. And I said, well, what point are we at? What is this? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, this is a meeting where we make re- recommendations or suggestions about the plans of this child going forward. And that's when I said, oh, I said, well, I'm sorry, ma'am. Uh, we don't need your services. I'm mm-hmm. the maternal grandmother and uh, the parents have given me permission to take guardianship of Angel once he is uh, released from the hospital. Mm-hmm. And right away, she looked at me and she said, ma'am, if you do not be quiet, I'm going to make you leave the room. <sighs> and I said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but I fought for this child before he was even born. Ma'am, if you do not be quiet, we're going to make you leave the room. So I bit my tongue and I let them continue. Now, going back to that meeting and me talking about that, I dealt with several different nurses, several different specialists, several different doctors. In that meeting, they had one doctor and one nurse. Uh, So the meeting continues. And I start noticing some of the stuff that they were writing in the so-called reports in my daughter's assessment plan Mm -hmm. were untrue. They were actual lies. Mm -hmm. And I said, after hearing it, I, I spoke up again. I said, I'm sorry, I cannot continue to sit here and be quiet and listen to false testimony. That is perjury. You, that needs to be removed from the record and not submitted to the court because that is an untrue statement. Mm-hmm. If you continue falsifying information, I will sue this agency. Mm-hmm. The meeting ended. Literally five days later, I receive a letter in the mail from the Department of Children and Family Services, Monterey County, wherein it's from my daughter's social worker, Linda Castillo, under the instruction of Supervisor Patricia Manning. They were denying me placement on the grounds. I threatened a social worker. I didn't threaten a social worker. I threatened to sue the agency for perjury upon the court. The second line in the letter stated, they felt I was not level-headed enough to raise my grandson. So in their letter of denial of relative placement, They diagnosed me. 
as not level-headed. Mm-hmm. I went to work every day for a federal agency as a national 800 representative that set up disability claims of people that had stage four cancer or their son just committed suicide and he had six kids he left behind. Mm. I was very level-headed mm-hmm. in my profession. So they diagnosed me from a team decision-making meeting. They did not even follow their own policy and procedure, which would have been a life scan, which meant a background check of me, which I, I would have passed with flying colors as I never even had a speeding ticket in my life. I'm mm-hmm. 59 years old. I've never been arrested. I've never been in a mental ward, nothing. I held a 12-year career as a federal public servant. I also was a registered process server at the same time for eight years because I was a single mother raising my daughter, you know, years before. Mm -hmm. And that required me to serve prisoners or people that were wanted by law enforcement. I was level-headed enough to do that for eight years. So going back to the agency's policy and procedure, they they violated that and my grandson and me and my daughter from the gate because the only thing in their manual that says to consider a relative is a background check and a home study. They did neither. Mm-hmm. They denied me from a TDM. Now, to add insult to injury, because I'm an activist now, full-time, my grandson is 12. I know where he lives. I know what school he goes to. I know who he's with. They are very wealthy people. He only he lives roughly 20 minutes away from me. Currently, I have a federal lawsuit pending, wherein I'm suing, a group of us are suing, the United States government, because this falls under RICO, where an agency could commit perjury to kidnap a child and get federal funding. Mm -hmm. A lot of people try and say, you cannot file a RICO under that. RICO is called kidnapping for cash. Mm -hmm. Taking Mm -hmm. children for cash is a definition of RICO. And this agency is doing it daily. Am I saying that we don't need an agency that protects children. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying, this agency needs to be abolished Mm -hmm. and a new one reestablished by and for the people. There are million dollar lawsuits being settled out of court by a trial civil rights attorney by the name of Sean McMillan. Mm -hmm. You can Google that. And I say Google it because All you got to do is Google million dollar lawsuits, CPS, California. And I'd like you to look at all the hits that come up under there's thousands of them. That attorney is getting wealthy off suing this agency and they settle out of court. So even though he's winning for these families and they're getting millions of dollars, some of them still aren't getting their children back Mm -mm. is it is causing no legislative change, but yet 
California is paying million dollars, millions and millions of dollars, and nothing is changing within this agency. This is should anger everybody, mm-hmm. any taxpayer, to go further. As an employee of the Social Security Administration for 12 years, I did not know about ASPA, which is the beast Mm -hmm. of the corruption within this agency. Because for every child that they take and put in a foster home, just like my grandson, the minute they removed him from the hospital and made him a ward of the state or county, because they're either state, county, agency. The minute they got jurisdiction of my infant grandson, who had a loving, willing, financially able grandmother mm-hmm. to take care of him without any money from California. The minute that they took jurisdiction of Angel, this federal funding kicked in to the county. And this should provoke every single senior citizen or every single American who pays into social security because social security is not an entitlement. It was created in 1939 uh, after the great depression to ensure seniors would have a retirement account. Do not let them fool you. That is why it was created was that they would have a retirement account when they turned 62. Every year, seniors are scared that they're not going to have their check because every year the government says there may not be any more Social Security to go around. Mm-hmm. Well, in all of my research and all of my advocacy work, the funding stream comes from the Social Security Trust Fund, our money, mm-hmm. our money. And that is why it may not be around anymore, because they are allowing the federal money to be paid out to the states via grants. And it's called ASPA, Title IV END. And this leads to a bigger picture. This is why we have issues in family court, because in family court, it's the Title D. In CPS cases, it's the Title E. But anyone can look it up. If you just go to socialsecurity.gov and you type in the search engine title IV and then you put space E and then you put space D and you hit search, you will see all of the grants. It's all out there for us to see people. Mm -hmm. Every single person that sees this interview I beg you to start writing to your legislatures about them using the Social Security money to feed this corrupt state agency and to fuel the family courts to um, make the divorce cases or custody cases a four-year battle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the money instead of deciding what's in the best interest of the interest of the children, which is to have both parents in their life mm-hmm. in a story. Instead, they've turned it into a money racket. There are, there are documentaries out there that you guys can watch. Um, 
One is uh, the divorce court, Kids for Cash. Um, uh, a recent one that was done by Stu Peters, um, Save Save the Littles, or or um, you may be able to point me on that one, Miss Petrie. I I don't remember. Uh -oh. uh, it was it was started out of uh, another case that was out of Idaho, Baby Cyrus. Mm -hmm. uh, but those documentaries are important um, to look at and to support because, um, you know, it's exposing what they're doing um, nationwide. In fact, to even go one step further, um, I work with uh, Megan Walsh mm -hmm. and Megan Walsh is the daughter of John Walsh. And John Walsh, as you all know, is the founder of um, America's Most Wanted. Mm -hmm. And if any of you have not heard, um, basically, he called in a report on his daughter because they had a fight. Mm -hmm. um, Megan is an adult woman now. And she started experiencing some trauma and was going to therapy and some things were coming out in therapy from her childhood. And at Thanksgiving dinner a couple years ago, um, she started asking her mother and father about things that she had remembered through mm -hmm. therapy. And some of them were things that her parents did that weren't, that weren't pleasing. And it ended up in an argument at Thanksgiving dinner mm -hmm. where her mother slapped her and mm -hmm. she left the house with her three children. The very next morning, CPS, her mother and father and the sheriff's department were at her house and they removed her three children and placed them with her father, John Walsh. Mm -hmm. And they're still in placement. So that's a very big case to watch. Um, like I said, this is a national issue. It's it's not just California. It's in Oklahoma. There's America's Taken um, is a website um, of, a, of a founder out of Oklahoma, um, Jerry. Um, there are so many websites. There's so many Facebook pages. There's um, so many lawsuits, but mm -hmm. yet there's no change invoked or indictments against this agency for committing RICO. And then I, I wanted to add um, later in, in my particular case, um, uh, as I appealed it, because I, I had to appeal to get standing in my grandson's case. And um, I was denied at the lower court. I appealed, I got to the appellate court. I was my own attorney. I fought it for three mm -hmm. years. So they took him, removed him from the hospital at a month and a half old, immediately pit, placed him in the home he is still in, which means they already they already predetermined that he was going to be in a foster home, even before the TDM, because later I found this woman was coming in uh, at night when I was not with my grandson. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the people that have him now. So my 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 theory is that this agency had already had a perfect placement mm -hmm. for him and they were not going to go any other way 
I believe they were paid. Yes. The kinship I, center going for to my grandson. And all of this is going to come out in discovery in my federal court, in my lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Because now the now the cards are on the different, they're in my hands. Mm -hmm. The cards are in my hands. So eventually I will be able to pull discovery. I will be able to pull so much stuff um, uh, that I wasn't able to pull in my appeals. Um, and I'm going to expose that through discovery in the in my federal uh, tort claim. Uh, but going back to what I was starting to say, I get lost because there's so much in my mind. Um, the very social worker, mm -hmm. the supervising social worker, Patricia Mannion, was sued in 2010, wherein she was a social worker. She removed a child from a home, an infant. And they later uh, discovered that um, the mother and father of that infant were innocent. The child died in foster care. The oh. infant died in foster care. So this mother in 2010, her name was Megan Puga, attorney Robert Powell out of San Jose, California, sued them. Again, what kind of money can you put on replacing your dead infant? Mm -hmm. There's no dollar amount, but she won a couple million. But the, the point that I want to make in this, that social worker was never fired, yet she was sued in her individual capacity. I have the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. I have the entire lawsuit. She was allowed to stay on, in fact, promoted to a supervisory position, who then denied me a, a loving grandmother who never abused her grandson. In oh, fact, God. to save him, put her life on the line, going out to the drug um, addicted homeless people, trying to reach her, her daughter, trying to reach uh, people on the streets asking them not to um, give her drugs that she was pregnant. It turned into this crazy ministry. I was ministry to homeless drug addicted people. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the video that, that you see that I did with Reconquest. Um, so I don't think that the work went in vain, but everything that I did didn't get me my grandson and he was adopted. But the point of this lawsuit of Miss. Pat, Patricia Mannion, she should have been fired. Mm -hmm. Yet she was allowed, and I, I believe she still works there if she's not retired. But this is how they work. They even, I don't know if, if you've heard of the case of Gabriel mm -hmm. out of Palmdale. So many school teachers, grandparents, his own mother and stepfather murdered him. The, the, the DA of Palmtail testified in his case. There, there's a, a mini docuseries um, on, uh, on Gabriel on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Please watch that. It's, it's the trials of Gabriel Hernandez. Hernandez. Yep. So that's about all I have. Well, in... Uh, I think there's a pattern here because when you said about the social worker being um, not fired, but she was promoted, uh, the same thing in my case. I did notify her boss to let her know 
to let him know what was going on. And I even got the governor involved. I was kind of really pleased that the governor took action. And I thought, oh, you know, we'll see what happens. And so I had called the agency and I said, so what happened to her? She was just a caseworker. She was not a licensed social worker, right? And he said, well, we removed her from the field. And I said to him, so you promoted her. He said, well, I would not call this a promotion. I said, so she said in court she was promoted. That's what she said in court. She proudly told the judge she was promoted. So, um, okay. Uh, but he did add when I was talking to her boss that, well, he, we took her out of the field because she wasn't uh, fit to be around people. Whoa. And I said, okay. <laughs> it's so contradictory, isn't it? Um, I, ju I just, I cannot wrap my head around. Yeah, and she's still working there. Yeah. My, yeah. I believe the ones that were in our case are still working there as well. With, with the same hairstyle. Yeah, of Where course. it's standing up and it's going like this. And then, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I... It's a pattern. It's a pattern. That's what it, It's a very, it's a huge pattern, you know. And I mean, I'm going to throw some other things out there. Anyone that listens to this podcast, if you've been wronged, please make sure that you publicly shame them. We have a website where we're, we're building a database to show a pattern of practice. And this pattern of practice is in all entities. Mm -hmm. In other words, we don't just have child protective services mm -hmm. abusing their power. We have adult protective services abusing their power. And it's for funding. They're taking uh, elderly million dollar estates by getting conservatorship over them and um, denying the family for whatever reasons it's, mm -hmm. it's basically so that they can steal their their estate so we have adult protective services um illegal guardianship conservatorship like britney spears um we have divorce court uh where parents are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars um against wrongful uh restraining orders in other words one says that the other one hit them um, and they're granted a restraining order without any substantive proof that the the uh, the abuse actually did go down. Um, and then, you know, whoever has the restraining order uh, gets to control the visitation um, of the other parent through this restraining order. So these children end up being alienated from one parent or the other. Mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a breakdown of our family system i mean if this keeps going it's nothing um it's nothing different than hitler mm -hmm, is what mm -hmm. our government is doing to us is they are dumbing down society mm -hmm. and they are making people government dependent if you don't see this please wake up mm -hmm. they are already taking our children they are trying to take our guns they are trying to take our free speech do you know how many families are gagged in CPS cases? 
Do you know how many families are gagged in high-profile divorce cases? It's our First Amendment right. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're asking people, if you hear this podcast and you want to, you know, do something to be productive or or to at least name names, mm-hmm. we have a database we're building, and that's at www.uglyjudge.com. And take a look in there. You will see there's judges, there's lawyers, there's guardian ad litems, there's um, social mm-hmm. work, all they, I mean, you named the Gavin. We're naming names mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we have to have an outlet. And that database is growing and growing and growing because we are going to bring about change. Mm-hmm. We are going to stop this agency in its tracks. It has to stop. The other thing, I do work directly with um, a, a nonprofit um, agency uh, or organization, which is called Save Our Children. And that is at www.saveourchildren.org. And um, we, myself and other members, um, we have all filed a federal tour suing the United States government for RICO. In other words, they're taking our children and they're receiving money. A lot of people don't know this is happening. That's why we're here talking about it. It's very taboo. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a perfect woman, but I'm a God-fearing woman. Mm-hmm. And when I lost in 2015 at the appellate court, I had an emotional breakdown mm-hmm. and I had to retire from my 12 year career. I had adrenal failure. My doctor told me I had to stop. In other words, I had to stop fighting. I had to stop worrying about my grandson. I had to stop or I was going to die. So it, it put me into a very deep depression. And that went on for about a year. And I kept crying out to, to God. And like I said, I'm a God-fearing woman. I know the book of Job. Mm -hmm. I know the story of Jesus. And I always said, I have to carry my cross. This became my cross. It became my cross. Mm -hmm. And why I say that is because I didn't know this was happening all over the United States. So in my prayer, and affliction, and crying out. Finally, after a year, and my adrenal glands started functioning, and my health started improving, and I started exercising, God came unto me in a small voice. Get up. Go tell the world (laughs) what happened to you, Kathy. I don't care if they believe you or not. You go tell your story because it's happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. Then I started moving Mm -hmm. and I found it's happening everywhere. Globally. 
globally, Australia, Canada, everywhere, internationally. And so, I mean, I do what I can when I can. Um, it's a ministry. It's a movement. And we need everyone mm -hmm. to fight this beast, mm -hmm. whether you are impacted or not. Just because you haven't been impacted or anyone in your family, there may come a day. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to have to go through what we have. Except and are still, mm -hmm. many of us are still going through it. It's something that stays with you for the rest of your life. Unfortunately, I can probably add to that, that it's something you just will never forget. Never. How can an agency come in and just take your grandchild on perjury? Oh, that's all. It, they hit, it hit me to my core mm -hmm. because I was a federal employee. I took an oath. Very strict on my character, both on the job and off the job. Yet they were able to destroy me in one, one hearsay perjured document. Mm -hmm. If it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I have no criminal record. Mm -hmm. I don't even have a speeding ticket. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. And they denied me on perjury. It's the Gestapo. Right. That's all they do is perjure, though. I think everyone should be aware. People think in a courtroom you're going to get justice and you believe in the judge and, you know, everything's going to play out good. We're going to be okay. And and you're not because you're there's not. so much money involved. This is a well, and that's what I was going to say is 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 in my my crying and pleading. I kept saying, what's the what's the head of this beast? Mm hmm. What's the head of this beast? And when I say Google, CPS corruption, mm -hmm. million-dollar lawsuits, California. What I did when that question started penetrating my brain mm -hmm. and started invoking or provoking my research, the first thing I typed in was CPS corruption. This was when I, I was... Uh, working as my own attorney uh, at the appellate court. And I was getting case law from all those cases I was finding in that Google search I did. And that's when it, it finally hit me like a ton of bricks. It's money. Yeah. And that money is coming from our Social Security money that is taken out of our paychecks mm -hmm. when it's we work. thickening, thickening. It's very sick. It's very oh. evil. And like I say, every single American should be 
angered. Mm -hmm. But we can be angry all we want. That's not going to do anything. We have to get to our legislatures. Right now, we have another group I work with, which is Family Forward Project. An attorney out of Tennessee, which is Connie Regulate, her and five other um, advocates, activists are in Washington, D.C., meeting with legislatures. In fact, they had a meeting with um, Senator Halley, who I've written probably 40 times and never got a response from. So I'll be interested to see what they come back with uh, as far as having a personal meeting with them. Mm -hmm. I'm optimistic. But until I see action, all I have is optimism. Mm -hmm. Because talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. It is. But going back to what I said, every single person, parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, who's ever been affected, or even if you haven't, please, start having or calling and asking to have a meeting with your local assembly, your local legislatures in your city and county. And more importantly, start going to your local board of supervisors or board of commissioners. In states, California, it's called board of supervisors. In some states like Minnesota, it's called your board of commissioners. They have weekly meetings where they have public comment you only get two minutes to talk. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm working on changing that too because mm-hmm. they work for us. Right. Okay, we're their, we are their constituents. But you're given two minutes to talk in public forum. That's another problem because if there's any county corruption, that's where we get to go to talk about it. Well, why do you want to only give us two minutes? Because you're afraid mm-hmm. that we're going to stay too much. So in my county, I'm working on getting public comment to five to 10 minutes. Okay. Um, So, so going back to how people can, um, you know, fight within their own county is you need to start going and speaking to your board of supervisors or your board of commissioners. It is taped. It is, it stays in their archives. You can reference it in lawsuits that you put them on notice. Mm -hmm. So every single person should be going into these board meetings and telling them what their county agency that they approve the budget for. In other words, your board of commissioner or your board of supervisors in each county approves the budget for that agency in your state and county every year. So everyone should be filing complaints. Mm-hmm. in public comment so it is co- recorded and monitored and you have proof wherein if they come back and say you never put us on notice oh yes we did mm-hmm. in fact on such and such date go look in your archives and you'll see me talking so those are just things i i ask everybody to do because the more that we start being on the defense mm-hmm is when things are going to start changing when we do it in as a collaborative. Right. You know, um, a lot of, and I'm not putting any um, activists or advocates down in any way, shape or form, but 
I can tell you that in this movement, um, there are many that that have experienced the same trauma and they are working to, you know, do whatever solutions um, that could possibly help. But we're also finding that there's some out there that um, are charging people money and they're not licensed attorneys. They're, they don't have the legal expertise to guide people. Um, as a paralegal, you cannot give legal advice. You can um, share uh, literature. Um, you can share forms um, with the instructions on how to draft them. Um, you can't give legal advice, mm -hmm. but, you know, in, in, uh, a lot of our activism, you know, there unfortunately are some activists that, um, are ego driven. Mm -hmm. Um, this cannot be about an ego. This is about stopping a very evil system. And like I said, it is child protective services. It is adult protective services and family court. Mm-hmm. Now, again, how can people reach you if they have any questions? What, your website again? My, your um, I don't family? have a website. But, um, I you know the the organization that I'm volunteering my time to is um, www.saveourchildren.org. We ask everyone to subscribe to our newsletter, and then if you want to personally reach out to me, my personal email is day of reckoning and it's spelt d-a-y-o-f-w-r-e-c-k-o-n-i-n-g at gmail.com and if you do reach out to me uh please put in the subject line cps or okay. something um so it jumps out at me mm -hmm. but i really encourage everyone to um you know, support saveourchildren.org um, through sharing, um, getting involved, donating. Um, if you're a writer, if you're a media outlet, um, reach out to them. Um, you know, we that's the other thing. We need investigative journalists. Mm -hmm. This is stuff that should be hitting national news. Um, I recently stumbled upon Laura Logan is starting to cover um, some of it, but mm -hmm. like I said, talk is cheap, right? Talk is cheap until I see it hitting national news, uh, like all the Biden stuff and all the Trump stuff, mm -hmm. Th this stuff, should, child protective services and adult protective services is taking people from innocent families for money. Until I start seeing those headlines, we're not making way. We're not making it. We're not doing anything. Right. So we need investigative journalists like uh, Project Veritas. I've reached out to him, James O'Keefe, with with um, written testimony about these these million dollar lawsuits. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Attorney, trial, trial attorney, civil rights, attorney, Sean McMillan. He has a Patreon account where you can subscribe $12 a month. Mm -hmm. 
and he shares with you his lawsuits, his depositions. This is the guy that's making millions of dollars settling cases out of court. And that is the respect I have from him. He does give back. Mm -hmm. He's sharing all this information with all of us families because a lot of us families have moved in, into pro-per, which means mm -hmm. we're representing ourselves because what many of us have found, especially in CPS cases, um, the parents are represented by public defenders. Mm -hmm. If anyone understands a public defender is a, a, a an attorney appointed because the plaintiffs or defendants are of low or no income. Mm -hmm. So they're state employees or county in my in my in my state they are county. Mm -hmm. My agency is a county agency. So they're appointed to represent like in my daughter's case, she had one. Mm -hmm. She did not put the social worker on the stand for lying. She did not um argue that my grandson would be better placed with his maternal grandmother. She kicked me out of her office when my daughter took me in with her. And I said, listen, lady, you're representing her. Mm -hmm. Why haven't you filed uh, a motion to put the social worker on the stand for committing perjury? Mm -hmm. Get out of my office. That's So if you go back yeah. to that uglyjudge.com, mm -hmm. you're going to see these attorneys they're naming attorneys for ineffective assistance of counsel because they're working with the state. Mm -hmm. They're not working to, to uh, reunify the parent child relationship. Mm -hmm. We have the right to cross examine that social worker. No one is putting the social workers that are committing perjury on the stand. Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't know if you're aware Um. I think it was last year, we actually won a federal opinion that went before three federal judges in California. It's called the Federal Rights to Lie case, wherein the uh, attorney for the state uh, of Orange County or Child Protective Services in Orange County or San Diego, California, was trying to argue for three federal judges that it was okay for social workers to lie. They slammed her in that court opinion, saying, you do not have the right to lie as a social worker. Mm -hmm. And now they can be sued in their individual capacity. So that published opinion is huge, mm -hmm. is a huge uh, opinion to cite. And this is, it's. I'm glad you told all of the all of us this because we all need to know and learn. Um, when I started educating people about where exactly your social security money is going, people become very angry. And this yeah, and, and what I found is um, I found a lot of people because I'm very bold. Yeah, I, you can't take a calling lightly. I'm yeah. very bold in my calling. And some people say, you're crazy. That that's a lie. That's why I give you the social security website where you can send people 
to look at it for themselves. It's right there. Mm-hmm. It's free. Where you, where any person who doesn't believe what we're saying mm-hmm. can go to socialsecurity.gov and look at the title I, B, E, and D funding that are grants to the state. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you came on. I'd like to have you back on again for updates. So uh, don't jump off. Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Catherine Thomas in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.